Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to everyone who supports the show and all of the shows on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash Spoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hi, Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we've been bad, bad girls, and we've been careless with an innocent man because we're feeling like a criminal. There's horror in them, there are hills, Hellboy in an alternate reality, and space adventures in a galaxy not so far away. Plus, our full range of adventurous opinions, noteworthy events in Paraguay and elbow fighting. So head to the back of the roadhouse where they got them bungalows, because the Major Spoilers podcast got them roadhouse blues, and it's on the air. Welcome to issue 860, 860 episodes of the Major Spoilers podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us this week. If you want to hear about snow, if you want to hear about scary movies, if you want to hear uh, short discussions about The Witcher and The Lighthouse and a whole bunch more, you will want to go and check out the Major Spoilers pre-show over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We talked for a little bit longer than I thought we would this week, about 30 minutes of pre-show chitty chat. So go check that out for silver members and higher. Let's do some news. There is a new Morbius trailer, there's a new Bloodshot trailer, and there's a new Black Widow trailer. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and let us see where we land. Round and round it goes, and oh, there we go. Morbius has arrived into the Marvel Universe, question mark? Sony Pictures revealed the, the first trailer for the Mobius, uh, Morbius, I want to keep someone to say Mobius, the Morbius movie. Starring J- Jared Leto as uh, as the title character, a doctor with uh, a disease, and he thinks the only way that he can cure himself is to become a, a vampire, a living vampire. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Did you guys get a chance to check out this uh, trailer, uh, Rodrigo? What'd you think? I I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know. 
uh, I feel like they were going for something with Venom and it only worked because they managed to land somewhere else with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so watching this trailer, there's a lot of the same stuff that I was seeing in Venom and I, I still haven't seen Venom, but from the reaction that I've heard of Venom is like, this is not the stuff that people were interested in. They were interested in other things about Venom. Right. This looks very similar to what we saw with Venom. And so I'm thinking like, are they going to try to play this straight? And are, do people want to see this? That's my first issue. There's a couple of things in here that I do like that I think look cool. Okay. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I'm like, I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Pretty lukewarm. Uh, Rodrigo, what about, or, I'm sorry, Matthew, what about you? I don't know. Uh, for my money, and, you know, make of that what you will, because my money is completely useless. I think that the fact that all of the chatter that I'm hearing about it are about the five-second cameo at the end rather than, you know, the tone or what it's trying sure, to set sure. up. I don't know. I feel like the excitement is there in the people that I'm hearing, but it's not excitement for the kind of things that I'm going to be excited about to see a movie. Are there a lot I'm of... to be honest, it takes a lot to get me into a Jared Leto experience. Uh, I'm curious, are there a lot of Morbius fans, do you think? I know Marvel just released or just uh, started a new Morbius series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbius has been around for a while, a long time, an anti-hero, but he has not been, he's not held a steady... A steady uh, income from Marvel, so to speak. He's not had regular regular appearances in the MC uh, you and that, not in the not the cinematic universe, but the Marvel uh, comics universe. That's true. But the time to release a Morbius movie is now because Morbius had a significant role in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Mm. Yep. And as we can see from the success of that movie that had the Prowler in it, and also aesthetically was kind of interestingly similar to the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, um, we can see that like th- those guys are now, let me check, in their 30s. Yeah. And so very willing to spend money to go see this movie, take their kids and be like, this is what, like, this is what I was watching on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Six arm Spider-Man confirmed, Six-armed right? Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man confirmed. turning on into a full on monster. Yeah. Um, Craven, the hunter, uh, the spider slayers that were like giant robot mm-hmm. spiders. Yeah. That what you know, you can, you can just, just start cranking that out. So the final five seconds, uh, there's actually two things that pop up in this trailer that I think has got everyone talking. First of all, mm-hmm. It is the appearance of Batman uh, Mm -hmm. in the same conversation with the Joker. So we get a Batman Joker uh, team up inside the Marvel Universe. Sure. But uh, so people freaking out because here we have maybe some confirmation that Morbius is taking place in the Spider-Man Homecoming Universe, which is the MCU. Yes, no, maybe. I mean, maybe. We don't know who that character is. It would be really odd to have... Michael Keaton in two Spider-Man related movies and have them playing two different people. I mean, granted it's happened before, right? We've got uh, 
Uh, we've got uh, Captain America and, yep. and, the, uh, human Torch, and the Human yeah. Torch, yeah. played guy. by the same actor, Happens right? Super, Superman, Superman and the Atom, same guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so rarely would you see that happen so close together, I think. See, I, I feel like it is entirely possible, uh, you know, given the attitudes that we're dealing with, that um, it's what the Simpsons might refer to as the off-brand equivalent. You get that thing where, hey, if we bring in Michael Keaton and we have him play a character tonally similar to what he played in the MCU, but we never call him Adrian, we never call him Vulture, we just have him be in here, we're kind of skirting that line. It's like the Marvel-DC crossovers of the 70s. Neither corporation approved them, but the writers slid it through. I feel like it could very easily be an intentional you know, bit of fan service to go, Hey, you guys, this is totally in the MCU. You guys, it totally uh, is. I think, nudge, it, nudge. I, think it, I think they might be doing that. I, I mean, I think Vulture would not necessarily be a MCU character, right? Because he did appear in the, I mean, he, I mean, technically he is because he appeared in the Spider-Man homecoming and Spider-Man and Iron Man. Da, 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 da. Um, so I think that's very interesting. Uh, that they could be saying that, yes, this is all part of this greater thing, but we as Sony Entertainment own the Spider-Man film rights. So if we want Vulture to be in this, we will have Vulture be in this. And they have been yeah. talking about building up to a um, Sinister Six um, movie over the years. We saw that at the end of the, gosh, what Spider-Man movie was that? It was amazing, too. Yeah, we yeah. Had the, the Vulture and the, no, not the Vulture, the Rhino. Yeah, so we have seen yeah. some of that building. Well, but they show the, they show the, Dr. Octopus tentacles and the vulture wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really kind of cool and has also got a lot of people talking is uh, Morbius walking by a Spider-Man poster. Right. With the word murderer on it. Now, some people have said, okay, there's a pretty good chance that this is art that is going to change by the time the movie comes out. Uh, But the art that they chose to use is not only the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man costume, Mm-hmm. But it's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 3 costume inside the PS4 Spider-Man game. Yeah, it's like a load screen in the Spider-Man game. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, we of course, had it, it was there. Yeah, and of course it's got the murderer on there, which again might tie back into the end of Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Spider-Man European Vacation, where he's outed and is targeted as the murderer of... Uh, Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm. I was. I'm still mildly intrigued by the entire story. Uh, we did sit down and watch Venom eh, a couple of months ago. The kids and the wife really enjoyed Venom. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was okay. Um, so I'm kind of feeling the same vibes from Morbius, even though it does have Matt Smith in it. Um, so I guess I'm okay with it. I'm kind of excited by what I see, and I and I see a lot of people getting very excited about. Um, about the potential that this is part of the MCU because we know who is who is Morbius's Matthew. Who's Morbius is one of his greatest. Um, I don't want to say his arch enemies, but one of his greatest rivals, who's always trying to kill the the vampires. Blade. And guess what m- movie Marvel is also in the works working on? Uh, Batman. Yes. Yes, perfect combination, Morbius and Batman together again yep. for the first time. Yep, that'd be good. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's it's kind of it's kind of fun to 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 speculate. I think it's always fun. This movie comes out fairly soon. It says this summer, but I 
pretty sure that the date that I saw this like was May. originally October or something, I thought. But maybe oh, really? Not. Yeah. Um, boop, 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 boop. It just says coming out in theaters this summer. So who knows? Mm. I, I thought I had a date um, earlier last week when I was on the morning stream. I was talking about comic book movies, and I could have swore that I saw the Morbius uh, release date like October 23rd. Nope, it says July 31st. So there you go. Oh, I just caught in a brief frame that I, I think Tyrese is in this. Mm. And maybe standing next to him, Al Madrigal. I don't know. I don't know who that other guy is. <laughs> good times. Good times. We're going to talk about it more as the movie comes up. And we've got uh, Spider-Man titles to look at this year. So I don't think we have got any Morbius stuff, do we? I don't think there's any Morbius stuff on. Uh, oh, I'm sure Morbius exists. On the queue. I, I don't know if it's in the queue for any of our shows this year. I have to go it's back not, and check. No, but it's it not. exists. It exists. Also new Bloodshot and Black Widow trailers drops. You can go check both of those out. The Bloodshot comes out in March. Uh, Black Widow comes out in February? February. Valiant March. Bloodshot? Yeah, Valiant Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. You go watch that. It's a crazy, it is a crazy trippy trailer. I have not heard about that movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it's a lesser known comic book movie coming out in 2020 in just a couple of weeks. So go check that out. Hey, let us do some reviews. Reviews. Let's see, what do we got this week? Oh, Matthew, why don't you tell us about Daphne Byrne uh, over there at the uh, DC Hill House. This is the Joe Hill imprint, pop-up imprint that they have going on right now. It's Hill House, not Hell House, because we don't curse on this show. No, that's what I said, Hill House. Hecking, hecking good puppers. So here's the thing about Daphne Byrne. I have no idea what it was when I picked up this book, but I know that the Hill House books have been remarkable. I've enjoyed all the Hill House stuff I've picked up, even things that aren't really my bag. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't think I'm coming back for that. I I enjoyed the read. And I did that with uh, Dollhouse Family. I did that with Basketful of Heads. There was one other one whose name escapes me. So Daphne Byrne, number one, which is uh, written by Laura Marks with art by Kelly Jones. If you remember Kelly Jones, he's the Batman artist that Stephen hates. Yes, correct. Uh, <laughs> that is not a lie. Matthew lies. Up, a lie. Matthew makes up a lot of stories about me, but my that dislike of Kelly Jones art is one of the trues. I have never made up stories. You just don't remember them. No, I remember everything. In the air. <laughs> I'm sorry. He said it with a straight face. Too. <clears throat> okay. In the, in the year 1886, a young woman named Daphne and her widow mother are uh you know getting over the loss of their father or and or husband and as it opens it's a very very eerie weird cool seance where this strange spiritualist claims to be speaking to uh mr burn the late mr burn and it all feels very you know houdini very much into the the actual spiritualism of the age uh, to the point where everybody seems to be cruel and hateful to Daphne and her mother, and the spiritualist is clearly out for money. But as the story goes on, there's something weird about our main character. And I can't exactly put my finger on it. And the, the issue doesn't necessarily give us a whole lot to go with. But she's sort of a weird, gothic 
she's proto goth, really. She's gothic in the the classical sense, in that she goes and sits by her father's grave in the darkness and speaks to him, and brings him pretty rocks that she finds and wears all black and sort of hangs around and thinks about death and probably has some terrible disease that she caught from the cold. But this issue is really eerie. I think it's one of six, and it feels like it doesn't it's it's not telegraphing where it's going. It's not giving me an idea of what this is going to be, other than there's something weird going on. There's definitely an army of undead floating around somewhere, possibly in the sewers. And there may or may not be multiple uh, communications with the late Mr. Byrne going on, but I'm puzzled in all the right ways. I'm puzzled in that way of what in the heck is going on here. And I need to figure out what's going on. I need to know what this is. And as off-putting as Kelly Jones can be on like a dead man or a Batman. And I agree with Steven. Sometimes if you get him, especially on dead man, there's a, a disconcerting aspect. It's, you know, horrible mutated creatures with, elongated limbs and strange skeletal faces. And maybe you don't want that from your Batman, but you do want that from a Gothic horror story. And so I'm kind of torn on this one because I really enjoyed it. And I feel like I liked it, but I also feel like it's not a successful first issue in that I coming out of it. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. I mean, I have no idea where it's going. It's, it feels good. I really enjoyed a lot of it, and I had to read it more than one time to figure out what was going on in different places in the story, which may be an indicator of storytelling issues, or it may be an indicator of their being complex and subtle, and I, I'm not sure which it is. So I'm going to have to go with three and a half slices of meatloaf for Daphne Byrne, number one. Hill House Comics has not let me down. I will say that this is probably the one that I'm the least into immediately after the first issue, but I still want issue two. So I think that's, you know, successful all around. Very, very cool. Thank you for that, Matthew. Mm -hmm. Out this week from Dark Horse Comics, it's the Hellboy Winter Special 2019. Oh, man. I'm glad I snagged this one before Rodrigo did. Because mm. this is good comics, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Three short stories, one from Mike Mignola, Chris Roberson, and Scott Alley uh, writing writing duties. We get three short stories. The first one is about a ghost uh, ghost miser, this guy that travels the streets and pops up occasionally if you turn down the wrong <laughs> the wrong street. And uh, our character is relaying this story to Hellboy. He's like, yeah, I accidentally followed this guy into another dimension, and he gave me a coin. And now I've got this cursed coin that I can't get rid of. And so Hellboy and a professor, but I don't think it's Professor Broom. Uh you know, track down this alternate reality and go in there and have a little bit of an adventure as they're trying to return this coin uh, for doing a good favor uh, back to this miser. And it's, it's really, it's a really cool story. Now the art is not typical Hellboy stuff. It gets a little more round in, in, in this particular story, but it's still really good. Then we go into New York city that uh, rural New York, like the Catskills area. Um, and we are introduced to the Boogum. And we drop right into the middle of a murder mystery. Who shot this guy? Uh, who shot this brother? We find out who done it. We also learn the tale of the boogan that 
that is out there on the longest night of the year. And if you're not careful, if you're not huddled by your fire, the boogum is going to eat you. Uh, it doesn't feature Hellboy, which is interesting, but it does feel feature scary monsters. And I thought the story was very well done in that one. Art really real, well done on that one as well. And then the final one, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what the last. Oh, 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 the Wrath of St. Uh, Hagen is the last one. And it is about, and again, doesn't feature Hellboy, but it does feature a priest who is kind of writing, I don't want to say his last confession, but he's confessing to some horrible things that he and his followers may have had to do way back in the olden times uh, that involve a wolf baby and maybe what happened to that. And it kind of has a chilling ending. Uh, that one was probably the most disturbing one of the three. So you go from something that's kind of light and uplifting to something that is oh yeah, a whodunit where the guy, the bad guy gets it in the end to one that is kind of like, oh, that's kind of disturbing. Oh, uh, maybe I want to read more about this priest guy. Uh, so Hellboy Winter Special 2019, if you did not pick it up, it's only $3.99. Three short stories in there. Very, very good. Uh, overall art is good. Uh, it's Hellboy, and you can never get too much Hellboy. So I'm giving Hellboy Winter Special 2019 five out of five slices of meatloaf. Go pick it up. It's really good. If you've never been introduced to the Hellboy universe, this is probably a good introduction. Uh, you don't need to know who anyone is. You just have to enjoy some kind of spooky tales that you tell around the campfire. And that's what you're going to get right here in this book. So five out of five slices of meatloaf for me. Now we are jumping ahead. Oh, man, a whole month ahead. Really, Rodrigo? I Fe guess. February. <laughs> and Tartarus, number one from Image Comics. Tartarus. When I picked up this issue, I just picked it up and read it, and I did not realize that it was for a whole month ahead of time. So well, that's okay. That's why they put it in the advanced reviews category. Yeah. So minimal, minimal spoilers. Here. Yeah, there we go. Um, uh, so Tartarus number one is a space sci-fi fantasy uh, adventure. I will point out before I forget, very important. There's a five ninety nine book. Okay, it's like. 50 pages wow. or something like that okay. it's like 40 something pages so bigger than your usual uh comic fair let's see so i got 46 here on my e-reader um but it might be more with like if they have any ads or whatever um so uh it is a story told in two parts um you they like drop you into the first part uh, and you see uh, the story of this uh, dangerous space warlord mm. as she tries to escape from prison. And the second part of the story appears to be a uh, unconnected, except that it takes place in the same world or the same universe, I guess, because not necessarily on the same planet, um, of sort of these uh, space uh, navy sailors on shore leave. And by the end of the issue, um, you see what the connection is. Of course, you can probably tell what the connection is because there's a character in both that has the same name, and you can, you know, you can draw your conclusions before it happens. But by the end, you've got pretty well explained what's what's going on. Um, this is really good. I got really into it at first. It was kind of difficult to tell what's happening because. Um, like the number one thing that made it difficult at first and then very good is uh, Jack T. Cole's art, mm. which is very detailed. 
So there, there would often be times when I'm like, wow, it feels like they just really skipped the panel here. Um, and then I would go back and it's just that the thing that you were, that bridges the two panels is happening like in the background of the previous panel. And it's like very small, but there it is. Sure enough, like a hand coming out of the ground, like, and grabbing onto the ledge or, you know, whatever. Um, it is really good. And as the story goes on, you see more and more of this technology. You see more and more of this, um, like, you know, space vehicles um, are like, you know, futuristic armor, retro futuristic stuff. Uh, it's really good. I would, I would definitely positively compare this to, uh, to, to Mobius. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so just especially so that we can have the confusing Morbius Mobius yes. uh, line in this episode. Yes, um, right. I, I I would I you know it's not exactly the same. Uh, it doesn't feel like a Mobius riff, um, but it's that same kind of idea. You know, it's like very well defined lines, um, like uh, complex backgrounds, uh, technology you know, pipes and, and organs and stuff that are, are, are very thoroughly rendered um, in this, like, weird futuristic thing. Um, a lot of stuff centers around this particular substance that um, that is kind of at the center. Like, it's the, the unobtainium of this, of this world. Um, and the way that it manifests is, like, is really interesting. Um, so, if nothing else, I would strongly recommend picking up Tartarus number one for the art. But also, the story is shaping up to be really good. The nice thing about such a large comic is that you get a lot of story. You get a lot of time just in this first issue with the characters. It's like the equivalent of watching a one-hour television show as opposed to a 30-minute television show, right? It just feels like everything was paced and we were given enough time that at the end of this, I'm like, I know who everybody is. Except, of course, for the mysterious people that you're not supposed to know who they are yet, right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Uh, it, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one. And, uh, yeah, you can f- you're can. going to have to wait till February to get it. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and remind I'll, I'll call all of you guys up and, like, remind you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so That'd much good, for that, yeah. Rodrigo. But uh, sounds like some good books this week. Go check them out. Also, head over to Majorspoilers.com and check out all the reviews and other stuff that we have going on at the site. We certainly appreciate everyone that comes over to the site and checks us out or who hangs out in our Discord server and chats it up with so many other spoilerites. There is a link to that Discord server in the show notes for this episode. And of course, if you're looking to keep your uh, hands and your feet warm during this uh, winter time, all those people getting all the snows there in the Seattle area, Uh, Rodrigo Mm -hmm. or the ice and rain that Matthew gets in the central part of the United States or even our East Coast friends who just, I guess, weather's pretty crappy on the East Coast regardless. Hey, but you know what? Ice toner is going to keep your hands and your feet warm this winter and you can save 25% when you use the checkout code MAJOR at isotoner.com or at totes.com. Use that checkout code MAJOR, get 25% off. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Ice Toner, for uh, helping to uh, support this show. And thank you, users who use that code, because uh, you help out this show as well. Mm. Nice. Yeah, it is nice when your hands and your feet are warm. 
I wouldn't know what that's like. You wouldn't know what that's like when I. Well, you have to go to isotoner.com. <laughs> are your feet always are your feet always cold? Are you one of those people? Uh, my feet actually tend to be cold a lot of the time, but oh. I also work in a an office with people who like it cold. Yeah. There's a thing that happens in your 50s uh, to some, to some uh, women of the female persuasion where they're like, man, it's always hot in here. I'm like, no, it's really not. I think it's just you. But that's fine. You know, we respect that. It's a thing. Yeah, my wife is always cold. So we always make sure she has warm socks and warm gloves. 25% off at icetoner.com. There you yeah. go. Use that checkout code MAJOR. It's almost criminal, the savings that you get. Oh, wait a minute. That's what we're talking about this week. Criminal Volume 2 Lawless from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. This is an Image Comics book. You can get the uh, volume that we are reviewing for $14.99. There's a link there in the show notes if you would like to pick it up through Amazon. Doesn't cost you anything extra, but a little bit comes back our way. Rodrigo, give us a rundown of what is going on in this volume. Because I'm starting to get the feeling that we are... Aren't we following different stories inside this universe, different people inside this universe, or is this the same character that we met years ago in volume one? I don't think so. Um, it's been, I don't even remember. It's like three or four volume. years. Yeah. yeah, it's It's been a long time, so I don't remember, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like I it. Don't this think is so a either. very complete story. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, this volume of Criminal, we meet a uh it, it kind of opens with a guy just like murdering another guy you know as you do like like, like you, you do. do it's about criminals so um after that happens we kind of go to a flashback and start finding out more about this guy so this guy uh was in the army he um gets uh, a thing and telling him that his brother is dead. And that's kind of the what kicks off the situation is uh, he knew his brother was a criminal. He knew he was involved in some stuff. So basically, he is going back, trying to figure out what happened to his brother so that he can get revenge on whoever it was that killed him. And in mm -hmm. the process, not only does he find out that that story is complicated, but he begins to experience complications in his plan to uh, exact uh, a roaring rampage of revenge. Especially when yeah. you fall in love with your brother's girl mm, or ex-girl ex. or it's sort complicated. Yeah, it really is. I mean, she's a girl. Yeah. She's not a pseudo girl. She's definitely a girl. And so I well, should point out I that there's a little girl as in she's not a girl. I mean, I, it's not entirely sure if she was entirely Rick's girl. Right. True. Uh, or if she was just there for the for the post uh, robbing sex, and I will say that yeah. there's some nudity in this in this volume. So if you're looking to pick this up for the for someone that uh, is younger, you might uh, want to keep that in mind. In addition to yeah. all the horrendous Vi violence that goes violence, on in this book, yeah, uh, there are a lot of people tend to get sixty nine Dodge Charger. Yeah, there a lot of people tend to get uh, a little bit too bent out of shape over the uh, a couple of boobs. And uh, not so much the people getting their heads blown off. So, mm, yeah, violence is ingrained into a lot of our yeah. stuff. Yeah, it is. And there is certainly a lot of violence in this book, as uh, as our as our character uh, Lawless Tracy Lawless Tracy Lawless uh, goes about figuring out what's going on, what really happened to his brother, and trying to keep his identity secret. But at the same time, he has 
angered uh, the mob who is laundering counterfeit bills, and he's trying to rob a bank and get the criminals uh, in trouble for what they did to his brother. So it it's one of those, uh, what do we call these, a uh, scheme-driven uh, uh, storylines, right? You know, like the, not quite Ocean's Eleven, but kind of like that kind of scheme, uh, plan, uh, a heist-type uh, comic. Yeah, it's, it's probably more like reservoir dogs yeah yeah, sort yeah. Of like mm-hmm. yeah here's here's a there's a heist going on but there's like an internal a uh, thing or like it, it's not an undercover cup but it might as well be right they got right. a they got a mole or a rat inside and that's kind of a, actually our point of view protagonist as a person trying to sabotage the the mm-hmm. operation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a mole rat have you yeah. guys ever read any of the richard stark parker novels just the ones that uh, we've read on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah the, just the comic, comic, yeah, the comic adaptations. adaptation. Yeah, yeah, which are yeah. really pretty good. But I will say that the first part, and I, I've not done any research into Ed Brubaker's influences onto this, but the first part where Tracy is breaking out of prison and then he's going through and he's getting his ID and he's getting money and he's doing all these things feels very much like that very first Parker book. Um, the, the book book is a heck of a lot more violent than the comic book than what, uh, what we got in the, in the comic book adaptation. But I, it really felt like if you're someone who likes Parker, I think you were going to like Tracy Lawless. Um, for those of you out there who, who are familiar with the, that material, uh, this has, this book has characters who are horrendously flawed. And I think Mm -hmm. that that. For me, that kind of works. I would rather read about characters who are horrendously flawed than uh, Tracy Lawless being a knight in shining armor who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and got sent to jail. And now he's trying to make amends and, and, and do those things. Uh, I like a, that. I like that the characters are complicated. There's a place for the story where you have, you know, the guy with the heart of gold and all mm-hmm. of these things happening. But I feel like there's also a lot of fun to be had with somebody who is pretty much scum. Right. But knows it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what makes the difference is when you have that main character who's like, I'm into terrible things, but that's because I'm terrible and everyone around me is also terrible. And I'm going to make them be less terrible by killing them to death, Arg. That, I mean, that is something different. That's really kind of an extension of that whole, you know, Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe thing into something more modern and probably more murdery. Yeah. And so you don't like, you don't like the characters or, or you're okay with the characters here? Oh, I hate everyone in this book, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that I don't like the characters. I mean, it's, it's that complicated moment of, you know, that you have these protagonists who are just terrible, terrible people. Yeah. You know, from the very beginning of this story, it's clear right up front, Tracy Lawless is a jerk face jerk. Right. And that's that's actually half the fun. That's I mean, I think that's part of the draw here is you're looking at a character who is um, not necessarily a monster, but definitely a bad person and knows it. Mm-hmm. But he's using his bad personness to try and do something that, at least from his perspective, is noble. He's trying to figure out what happened to my brother. I have to avenge my dead brother. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of appreciate that, even though, you know, don't, don't. Yeah. Do and, I, and I'm definitely somebody who has gone on the record as saying, Hey, we should not elevate, uh, criminal characters to hero status. Right. 
Um, I don't think people should worship the feet of Tracy Lawless. I don't think people should worship at the feet of Darth Vader or the Joker or anything like that. But I think that there is something about this revenge driven heist driven story where the characters know that they are evil and that they know that they're not redeemable. Uh, that still makes for an interesting read and makes for an interesting uh, case study. Rodrigo, do you have some thoughts on 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 the the villain side of of uh, of these characters and how awful they are? I mean, most uh, most fiction what makes it interesting are is relationships, right? So it's like messed up people can have relationships too. It's like you can read a book or or yeah, you know, read a comic in which a really reprehensible person is the main character mm-hmm. and as long as the universe and and the author really the author and by extent the universe recognizes that and treats it properly it's a it'll be a a fine read right the the, the issue is when um you have say a character like uh zach morris from saved by mm-hmm. the bell who is very often very reprehensible but the universe doesn't see it as such. Sure. Uh, it's just like, hey, kid's having fun. And he does like terrible things to his friends. And then, you know, kind of gets a slap on the wrist for it here and there. Um, it's like if the universe recognizes that the character is bad, then we can watch a a, a, a movie or, or whatever about a bad character doing bad things mm-hmm. right. and still like basically enjoy their relationships their struggles everything they do um and, and it's kind of the basis for uh, i would say uh the entirety of clint eastwood's career oh, true 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 yeah true true, very true. much yeah. yeah 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 i like sean phillips art i always have liked his art something about it uh is kind of interesting but I will say that I think there is one major flaw in his art in this issue is super inconsistent on the burn scar, which halfway through the book, I didn't realize he had a burn on half of his face right. until someone's like, yeah, it's the guy with a burn on his face. And then we go to, to Tracy Lawless and somebody's going, hey, where'd you get that burn on your face? And I'm just like, oh, OK, because it wasn't his Sean Phillips art is pretty simple, very yeah. contrasty with not a lot of detail in it. And so when you've got a, uh, a major burn scar on your face and chest mm-hmm. that doesn't stand out, parts of the story did confuse me for a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's tough because it's actually done in red. It's almost like a mm-hmm. color hold. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially in, you know, given the amount of darkness, the huge, you know, long and involved dark scenes, you don't always pay attention to that. Yeah. So yeah, at certain points it actually just looks like it's some sort of coloring error until you realize they're doing it consistently. Mhm. 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 Did you like this story, Matthew? Did you like this book? The thing about it is crime stories of this sort aren't really my particular jam. So I'm fine with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't hate it, but I'm not terribly in love with it. I feel like there's a lot of really good things here and there are moments, you know, when we finally do find out what happened to Rick, that's a really effective moment. Yeah. But it's also a moment where I'm just like, man, I don't, you know, 
I would, I'm one of those guys who I would rather sit and watch, you know, Norman Bates be a jerk and stab people than necessarily see Humphrey Bogart going, yeah, so Hmm. that's me. It's not that it's bad. It's just not necessarily my jam. Yeah. What about you, Rodrigo? I really wasn't into it at first, but I, I got into it. And I think what was the point uh, that what was the point that got you into it? What was I, I think when they start planning the heist, because I do mm. like heists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the moment that they're like, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, but I don't know if I like this character as a protagonist, as a point of view character. And they're like, they're like, OK, first thing, we've got to bust Chico out of jail. <laughs> so i'm like okay yeah all right all right and and then once i was into the heist i got more interested in what all the characters were doing because you know people start interacting with each other and i'm like they're gonna blow the heist it's like the heist is what i care about like you know like that's that's the aspect of it that interested me but as it went very clearly the heist is not the important thing in this it isn't an ocean's 11 situation that's it's really just the thing that propels the story forward, increases the tension um, as uh, as our main character kind of circles closer and closer to the to the truth of and his I brother's also, death. I also feel like and again, I really enjoyed the story. Um, I think that there are some moments, though, where Tracy Lawless is not put into jeopardy enough. Like <laughs> he goes to the undertow. And he's like, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to come in here, but it's been years. No one's going to recognize me because I blend into the crowd. And then it's like two issues later, the bartender is like, hey, Tracy, what do you want? And he's like, oh, so you know me. He goes, yeah, it took me a while, but uh, there you go. And it's like, oh, this should be a real like, oh, my cover is blown. This is going to be a really bad thing. And then it's just kind of brushed away. And and it, I don't, to me, it never felt like our hero was in enough jeopardy or enough peril. And I think that that if there was one thing that I will knock this volume for is jeopardy. Yeah. We need more jeopardy. I think we do. I think Alex Trebek showing up and saying the daily double is, uh, you know, uh, the, let's go to the board. Yeah. The, the, the twin girls that the, uh, horrible guy is having sex with, um, is, is the daily double. So there you go. Uh, um, Ew. I'm just saying that's in there, ladies and gentlemen. So prepare yourselves. Ew. And the other thing that I like about Sean Phillips art is that nobody is perfect. Uh-huh. It's this is not a book full of pretty people. Everybody here is ugly in some way. And I'm not saying that the art is ugly, but I'm saying that, you know, we're not looking at Lois Lane and Superman and we're not looking at you know, uh, image comics, good girl art in here. We're looking at people and trying to portray real people who are real looking. So you've got people that are unpleasant to look at at times. And so I like that as well about the art. Um, so some good and bad about the art, some good and bad about the story. Um, bottom line for me is I say it is worth checking out. If you are into the crime drama stories, this is definitely not capes and tights, But if you're into crime drama and if you're a fan of Parker, I really think fans of Parker will enjoy this. If you haven't already discovered this, Uh, I think that this is something that you might want to pick up. Uh, Matthew, bottom line, go ahead. Is it capes and tights or not? Because Peter Parker is one of my favorites. (laughs) Yes. Different kind of different kind of Parker. Uh, But uh, Matthew, bottom line for you. 
It's okay. Um, it didn't actively turn me off, and I was engaged more than I thought that I would be, given you know the fact that the genre and I aren't necessarily on the same page. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know that in itself has got to be an impression. You know, it's Brubaker, and Brubaker does hard boiled probably better than anybody else I can oh, think yeah. of right yeah, now. Yeah. He so. really, I mean, inside of comics, I mean, there's a lot of other people that. Um, what's his name? Uh, Elroy, the writer who does the Black Dahlia and the other stuff, LA story. I mean, he's hardcore crime stuff as well, but that's not in comics. Right. And Darwin Cook is not with us anymore, so we don't have the Parker adaptations into comics. So I would agree with you that Ed Brubaker really knows how to write crime drama. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, final thoughts from you. I enjoyed it, uh, but I, it, it took some getting into. I would say if you are a fan of crime dramas, uh, then this this is definitely going to get you going. If you're not and you're like, you know, I've always wanted to to try a crime drama. This might not necessarily be a good one to pick up. Um, although I guess it got me interested. You know, it was OK. <laughs> We're going to check out some more criminal throughout the year. I think I've got us listed down for is it two more, Matthew, I think. Two more criminal uh, I think uh, it series. was two totals. So oh, two total. Okay. One after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Criminal Volume 3, The Dead and the Dying is coming up in May. And yeah, Criminal has been going on for a long time. There is a criminal series that apparently takes place at like Comic-Con or has comic books involved in it. Um, Christopher has been reviewing those over at the Major Spoilers. I also think Jonathan has been reviewing those issues on and off over at the Major Spoilers website. So, uh, yeah, you can go check out some of that stuff. It's all over at Majorspoilers.com. And I tell you what, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, listeners, for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love your feedback, so use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, send us an an email email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I was waiting for her, and she's I not know. here. She's I'm not sorry. even here this week. I, Ashley is out doing some other things. I think she will be back next week because um, the Jupiter Jet Volume 2 is kicking off. The Kickstarter kicks off on January 21st, so you guys will want to go and check that out and get in there and support that series because it's really good. Uh, but there are some other ways that you can not only support uh, Ashley, you can also support this show, right, Rodrigo? Yeah, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Roger's shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. And I don't care if Spider Man's a clone. Stop spending all our cash on back issues of the Flash. Or I swear to God, you're gonna spend your quiet years This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.